Well, hello everyone and welcome to City Life Church. It's great to be sharing with you today on Pentecost Sunday. How many of you are expectant for some Pentecostal experience today? I don't know about you, but I just, you know, as I woke up this morning, just praying, praying in English, praying in the Holy Spirit, just really with a sense of expectation that God wants to do something amazing uh, in our lives. You know, we've been in this time, this pandemic of COVID-19. We've been hearing news about, you know, the virus spreading. But I believe that God wants there to be a spread, but not of COVID. I believe that God wants there to be a spread of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm believing for a Pentecostal pandemic. I'm believing that God is going to touch many lives. And today, you know, Pentecost Sunday, we remember, we reflect on the birth of the early church when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples uh, in the upper room and they were filled with the Spirit and a, a radical shift took place and there was a spread. There was a spreading of the Holy Spirit as lives were touched and impacted. It started with 120 of them gathered in the upper room praying and then the Holy Spirit you know, spread from there as they came out, empowered by the Spirit of God. And it says that Peter preached, you know, the guy who denied Christ three times, you know, just a, a few weeks before, and even denied that he knew Jesus, always associated with Jesus, to a, a little girl. I mean, how, how much of a coward could he be? Yet after being filled with the Spirit, he gets up and he preaches, and three thousand people just think about that it's not bad is it for first time preaching your sermon three thousand people respond get saved not only do they give their lives to christ but they also get baptized as well we can read about that in acts chapter two and we will be looking at that a bit later on and then it goes on and then in acts three there's miracles that start taking place the uh, a, a paralyzed man who'd been lame from birth um gets healed and word spreads. People know this is a miracle. This is amazing. This is not possible. Yet the impossible has become possible. Something has happened. This Holy Spirit is working in the earth, working through people's lives, impacting individuals, but also impacting multitudes. And then it goes on in Acts chapter 4, and it talks about how that there were 5,000 people that were following Christ that had had got saved and and then you read later on you know you you read about how that God was adding in uh, end of um, Acts chapter 2 it talks about how that God was adding to their number those who are being saved on a daily basis how many of you want to be there how many want to want to see that uh, for City Life Church and and for the global capital C church we know that everyday people are getting saved, but we want to see an increase. We want to see more exponential growth. Well, today we're going to be starting a new series uh, of talks, and this series is called Unify. Unify. And today the message, part one of Unify, the, the title of the message today is How to Live an Empowered Life Without Limits. How to live an empowered life without limits. How many of you want to live this empowered life? How many of you want to 
live your life in such a way that that impossible is is possible where there are no limitations to what God can do in and through you as an individual in your family in your church and in your workplace and wider community I don't know about you but I am longing for more I'm longing to walk in the fullness of all that God has provided for me my family city life church and beyond and so we're going to be looking at today some principles of how we can really tap into that life that God has provided for us and we're going to have a look first of all at the story of the tower of Babel this is when the the people on the world were in one place and they spoke one language you may have heard this phrase before people uh, you know saying oh stop babbling on have you ever heard that well, that actually comes from this story that we're going to be looking at today, the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. And we're going to go from verse 1 and we're going to go uh, through to verse 8. And I'm going to read out and today we're going to be using the New Living Translation. So let's read this passage. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and they settled there. Verse 3. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower that the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united. And I want to encourage you to underline that word in your Bible. The people are united and they all you can underline that one as well, because that's an important part. And they all speak the same language. After this, and this is powerful, this next bit, I really want you to lean into this. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages. Now, you might be wondering, why is it saying, come let us? Well, this is one of the scenes in the Bible where we see Trinitarian language. You know, this is talking about when it's us, that's obviously more than one. It's talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We see this united community of the Godhead. And they're saying, come, let us go down. Let us confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. Verse 8. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So, you know, you might have wondered, uh, you know, about where you get different languages from, where you get different nations from different cultures and here we see God scattering the people around the world and this is where different foreign languages came from 
So let's just have a recap here. People, you know, people only spoke one language. Uh, they wanted to build this great city. Um, they, you know, had such a, a clarity of purpose. They shared the same language. And they're gathering here at Babel with this vision to build this tower to the heavens. It, it was like they were saying, we don't need God to get to heaven. We don't need our creator. We're going to do this ourselves. We can do this in our own strength. There was a lot of ego. There was a lot of this, this attitude and behavior that we don't need God. We can be as gods ourselves. And they, they talk about making themselves famous. It was almost like that they were saying, we want to elevate our names above God, that we want to show that we're greater. and We don't want to be scattered. We don't want anyone to have any uh, influence or control over us. And if we can, you know, uh, build this tower in this great city, then we'll be able to, you know, be pro protected and, and fortified and nothing's going to be difficult. They knew, they knew about the incredible power of harnessing oneness, harnessing unity. Well, of course, when God saw this sinfulness, he saw the pride in their hearts. He saw the pride in what they were trying to do. That's when he said, enough's enough. Uh, you know, if we don't do something here, you know, anything's going to be possible for them. And, you know, this, this could potentially be very damaging and very dangerous. So he scatters them uh, across the face of the earth. He gives them different languages. And, uh, and here we see a shift and we see a change. Now, now let me first of all say this, because that, that powerful line we read about how that nothing would be impossible for them. That's the power of unity. And when a family, when a community, when a church, when a nation and a world comes together with this sense of unity, uh, harnessing that they've got that same language, they've got that same sense of purpose, you know, there's no limits to what can be achieved. This is really, really powerful stuff. You know, there's no walls that you, you cannot break down. There's no challenges that, that can't be overcome. There's no problems that cannot be solved when you have a, a, a people that are as one. And that's what we're talking about today in this, in this series that we're going to be unpacking about the importance of being unified and how that God wants us to be a unified people. Now, unity uh, can be harnessed. The, the power of unity can be harnessed both for good but also for evil. And here we see a sinful example um, in the Tower of Babel. Well, you, you also see a positive because obviously the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they were doing something to, to stop evil. So we're seeing a positive there, but we're seeing a negative with the people uh, in Babel. So it can be used for a positive or negative. These laws, these principles are available, not just to the church, not just to, to the people of God, but they can be used. And you see this in football teams that, you know, unite together. You see this in, you know, military uh, organizations, political organizations that come together in unity. And you see that they're able to achieve outstanding uh, accomplishments or results. Not always necessarily good. Uh, think about, you know, perhaps a, a very shocking example of harnessing the power of unity um, which actually was uni unifying around deception uh, and lies was the Nazi party. I mean, they had a vision. Hitler had a vision to dominate the world, to take over the world. Very, 
very evil vision. But the Nazi party, they got in unity, didn't they? Uh, you know, they, they came together and obviously later on that started to break down. But there was, they had this shared sense of, of you know, beliefs and this, this shared sense of purpose and, and language and, and vision. And as a result of that, actually a lot of Adolf Hitler's dream did come to pass. So I, wanna, I want you to understand that these principles can work and how we use them can be for good or for evil. And of course, we're encouraging today, let's be unified and be about God's business. Let's be about God's agenda. Let's be about doing good. So there's no limits to what can be achieved for a community that is in unity. And uh, obviously, Tower of Babel, this is um, a, a powerful example that we see in Scripture. And I want you to think about this. If, if with the Tower of Babel, if God said, you know, that nothing would be impossible for them, how much more for us as the people of God? with the Holy Spirit on our side, with God with us, working in us and through us. Like how much more can we achieve? And I want you to know this, there is no limits to what God can do in and through your life, through my life, through our lives, uh, as the body of Christ. You know, it's about the power of agreement, sacred synergy, holy collaboration. When we lay aside our differences and, and we focus on, you know, what we're going after together. We get in harmony. That's where we really begin to see amazing change happen when we get into that place of the power of agreement. I want to look at another passage of Scripture. This is in Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to go from verse 19 and 20. And if you've got room in your margin, I would encourage you to write in there power of agreement. Let's have a look at this passage. And this is Jesus speaking, and he says this, Again, I say to you that if, that's a really important word there, we do have a choice. It's not necessarily just going to happen. If, if two of you agree, what's this talk about? It's unity, isn't it? This is the power of agreement. This is coming together in unity. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them. By my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So what's this saying? It's saying that if you harness the power of agreement, there's no limits. Anything's possible. And that's why it's really important that we come together, you know, as the body of Christ. This is a, a, a verse, you know, some people are saying, oh, do you think that you know, the church from now on will solely be online and, and will never gather again, you know, in person. No, not at all. That's not biblical for a start. I do believe church online is here to stay. Thank God for church online. But I believe that, God, you know, there's going to be this hybrid model that it's going to be online and in-person uh, experiences as well. And here we're seeing that where there was a coming together, God's power flowed. And it lifted off the limitations of what was possible. God was doing miracles through this gathering of unity. So where there's a unity of purpose, there's a unity of language, there, you know, we enter into that place where there are no limits. 
And uh, I want to encourage you, you know, let's be a people that really go after being a people that are locking together in unity. In Psalm 133, very famous chapter in the Bible, it, it talks about how the, you know, God delights, he, he enjoys it when, when uh, brothers and sisters come together in unity where there's this place of harmony, this sacred synergy. It says that God commands the blessing. Or in another uh, translation, it says, you know, he, he pronounces a blessing or he bestows a blessing. It's a powerful thing. And it talks about how the, you know, oil flowing down, you know, on the, the head and the beard of Aaron, the, uh, you know, down, you know, to, to, to his feet, to the bottom of his garment. This is a powerful, powerful picture of the anointing, the Holy Spirit, the blessing of God, that it's not just going to impact your head, but there's going to be this flow that's going to affect you from head to toe. That's how God want, what God wants to do with his body. The church in, in the Bible is sometimes referred to as the body of Christ. And so God wants the blessing to flow down from head to toe. Every part of it. it's not like just a part. He wants us to be fully empowered, anointed by the Holy Spirit to such a place where God commands a blessing. And you know what? When God commands something, nothing's going to stop it. Doesn't matter how many enemies are coming against you. Doesn't matter what the circumstances might say in the natural or suggest to say. It doesn't matter what giants come against you, what mountains you might face, what valleys you might be going through. If God commands a blessing, you're blessed. It's going to happen. This is the power of when we get together, when we dwell together in unity. It's good. It's pleasant. And this is part of a picture of how God wants us to be. Uh, you know, when we look at Aaron here in, in, in Psalm 132, I encourage you to, you know, read that chapter in your own time. But but he, he was a priest and a co-laborer with God. He, he was a support figure to Moses. Uh, he, and it's a picture of us as born-again believers. It's a picture of us as New Testament believers that we're a royal priesthood. We are co-laborers with Christ. And this is a, a powerful picture of how God wants us to be living in the flow, living in the blessing from head to toe. So how many of you want to be in a place where God's blessing constantly flows in your life? How, how many of you want to be in a place where God commands, he pronounces, he bestows upon you a blessing? I know I do. I know I want, I want to live in that blessing. And, and again, please, please get me right, because sometimes when you talk about blessing, people think, oh, you're, you're only talking about kind of material. No, I think that's the lowest level of blessing. But, but God wants to bless us that we can be a blessing to other people. That's what it's about. God shines his light in our lives, but we're there to reflect his light into the lives of other people. So this is, if you want to live in that place, if you want to live in that place of flow and blessing and anointing, you want to live in that place of limitlessness, if you want to live in that place where God commands a blessing, then I want to encourage you, to harness the power of unity. Get in unity with your brothers and sisters. It's really important that we, that we both protect the unity 
and also that we nurture community. So it's almost like when you see other people that are trying to bring division, right, we should be really quick to like address that. Don't just let it, you know, you hear other people that are gossiping or bad-mouthing or sowing seeds of discord. That's serious stuff because these people are trying to stop the flow of blessing, the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the limitlessness of what God wants to do through that community. And that's where in love we have to speak the truth in love. We have to challenge. We have to protect. We're doing it in a, with a spirit of gentleness. We're doing it with grace. But sometimes there does have to be that assertiveness as we protect and we nurture the unity. And I really do believe that's what God is wanting to do in this season. You know, in us as a church for City Life Church, but also in the wider Capital C Church as well. God wants us to be a people that are united as one. Why? Because so much more can be done. So much more can be achieved. Now, when we look up that word um, in Matthew chapter 18 that we just looked at, where it's talking about the power of agreement, when you look up that word agree in the Greek, you get this word symphoneo. Does that remind you of anything? Symphoneo? Sounds like symphony, doesn't it? Well, that is where we get the word symphony. A symphony is uh, made up of many different instruments that come together. They've got different parts to play. They're different instruments. But they all play together in time, in tune, in harmony. They've got different parts that they come in. Some, you know, will hold back and you know, uh, and then there's their, their moment when they, when they come into play. But these instruments, they're not competing with one another, but they're complementing one another. Guys, as the body of Christ, as the church, we should not be competing with one another. We should be complementing one another. We shouldn't be saying, you know, com comparing and saying, well, you know, you're playing woodwind and I'm playing brass and mine's better or, you know, the string player you know, uh, says to the vocalist, well, you're not important. You should be doing what I'm doing. No, not at all. We each have a unique part to play. Let's not, you know, try and push people into being just like us. But let's encourage that. Let's celebrate diversity. And I do mean godly diversity. They celebrate the uniqueness of how God has called and created us to be. Let's have that, that symphony. And in this symphony, this is where uh, there's a recognition that when we come together as one, we can create much more of a heavenly sound uh, rather than going solo, which, you know, you can have a nice solo sound, but there's something that's so much more awe-inspiring and impacting when we come together in unity. Typically in a symphony, you'll get between 30 to 100 instruments coming together as one. Instruments include strings and brass and woodwind percussion. And sometimes you do get vocal parts as well. Uh, it's an amazing picture and sound of the body of Christ. That this diversity coming together in unity. You know, and sometimes I think in the body of Christ, we can say, well, you don't sound like me. Well, that's a good thing. Thank God that you don't sound like me in everything. 
and thank God that I don't sound like you in everything. And I mean that in a really loving and respectful way because we're different. But that's what makes it beautiful as God brings all these sounds and colors and flavors together as the beautiful bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Um, we're going to have a look at some other examples about uh, unity in Scripture that we can read about. When we look at the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had this ginormous task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down. And so he unified with a community and uh, a job that, you know, in the natural should have taken years, should have, you know, uh, years to raise the funds to do it, years to get the materials, years to uh, carry out the work. Uh, and yet they were able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. I mean, it was a phenomenal acceleration. And I do believe that in this time, this time that we're in and that we're entering into, I believe that it's a time for slowing down and it's a time for speeding up. It's this, this paradox that at times might seem to contradict itself. But I do believe that there's a, there's a slowing down, but there's also a speeding up. There's an entering into his rest, but there's also an entering into the limitlessness of what God wants us to achieve in the earth as well. People were astonished. They were amazed. Like, how on earth did you do this, Nehemiah? He leveraged the power of unity, coming together as one. They shared a common purpose. They shared a common goal. They shared a common language. They stayed focused and they also, they worked together. It didn't just happen. It wasn't just that they were just praying and reading their Bibles. No, they had some work to do. We've got work to be done as well. We need to be people of faith and of works as well. They come together. The evidence of our faith is actually found in what we do, how we live. So Nehemiah is a great example. Gideon's another example. You know, Gideon had an army of 32,000 and, uh, and God narrowed it down and said, Gideon, it's too much. You know, there's, there's not enough unity uh, in, in the, the group of people that are together. There's some people that their heart's not really in it, Gideon. Don't, don't, don't be overly impressed with the 32,000. Don't be overly impressed with how many statistics you've got. I think sometimes, you know, we can look at, you know, the effectiveness of a church or a business or an organization based on the numbers. But it's not really about the numbers. It's, it's not about growing big numbers. It's about growing big people. And, you know, God narrows 32,000 down to 300 people, 300 warriors to take on the Midianites who were coming against them, who were, you know, just giving the Israelites such a hard time and have just been oppressing them for so long. But do you know what happened with those 300 that were united in unity, Gideon's army? They defeated the Midianites. Do you know how many Midianites there were? 135,000 Midianites. I did, I did a bit of math on it earlier on and I worked out. So how many does one person in Gideon's army have to take on? Like if they all like, you know, divided 135,000 300. How many is that? Come on, put in the chat now. Those of you that are really good at math and you'll be able to work this one out quickly. 450 to every one. Now that's some, that's some big odds there. But this is the power of unity. Gideon's army, they were united. 
and Gideon's army were victorious because they, they unified with the word of God and they unified together as an army. And that's what God's calling us to do, to be unified as an army, to be unified as the body of Christ. You know, the, with the Tower of Babel that we were looking at in, in Genesis, you know, they were wanting to, to reach up to heaven in their own pride, in their own efforts. But the, the gospel message is not that we have to reach up in our own efforts. It's not about anything that we do. We, we, can't, we can't get to heaven on our own efforts. The gospel message is not that we reach up, but that God, through Jesus Christ, reached down and he touched the earth and, and he reaches out to you and to me. Through the cross, through his love, through his grace and humility, he made a way so that we could become residents of heaven, that we could be seated in heavenly places with Christ, that we could have our eternal destination secured, not in our own efforts, but simply by choosing to put our faith and trust in Jesus, choosing to follow him. And I've said this many times before, being a Christian is not about just pie in the sky when you die. It's about accepting a call to live for him, to live for all eternity. It's not just about getting into heaven, it's about bringing heaven to earth as well. Advancing the king, uh, King Jesus, as kingdom in the earth. You know, through the finished work of the cross and putting our faith and trust in Jesus, we are made one with Christ. One with Christ. Let's have a look at a, a scripture to support that one. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says this, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's amazing, isn't it? If you've accepted Jesus, if you've given your life to him, I'll encourage you and there will be an opportunity later on to, to pray and give your life to Christ. But when we accept Christ into our life, we become one with him. Like we're unified with him. It's the most powerful uh, unification that there can be, that we become one with Christ. So everywhere I go, I know I'm never alone. He's always with me. And when you know that and you get that, it changes the way that you think. It changes the way that you act. It changes the way that you feel. You have great confidence because you know the greater one lives in you. Also, we become one with the family of God, with the church. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So when we, when, we, when we join with Christ, when we give our lives to him, when we say, yes, I'm following you, I give you my life, forgive me of my sin, forgive me of the stuff I've done wrong, I turn to you, God, I accept you into my life. I want to live for your plan and purpose. We become part of the family of God. We're adopted into God's family. We are one with him. Romans 12, verse 4 and 5 says this, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Wonderful scripture. So we're one with Christ. 
when we accept him. We're one with his family, and we're also one in purpose. We are, what's our purpose? Our purpose is the great commandment and the great commission. What's the great commandment? The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as equally important to this is love your neighbor as you love yourself. So in other words, love God, love people. And then the great commission, which we find in Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples. Okay, So you know we're not just here to make converts, get people to pray a prayer. We're here to make disciples. That's what, you know, we are disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And you've all, if you've got the Holy Spirit living within you, you've all got what it takes to disciple other people. Let's have a look at another passage of Scripture talking about this uh, sense of being unified and, and this oneness. Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6. This is Paul speaking from prison, and here he's urging um People, he's urging the community in Ephesus, pull out all the stops, guys. Be unified. Don't let anything uh, come against that. Um, be bound together in peace. And he's encouraging to practice love, humility, and gentleness. Let's have a look at it. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Therefore, I as a prisoner uh, for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Some of us find that really difficult, don't we? Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's fault. Do you make allowances for other people's faults? Often, we're very good at making allowances for our own faults and our own shortcomings, but we can be very harsh with other people. But we've got, to, we've got to make allowances. We've got to be gracious with other people and be gracious with ourselves. Be gracious. Uh, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And then I love what it says next. Make every effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Again, unify. Power of agreement. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one body, and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, and one faith, and one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. It's a powerful passage, isn't it? Talking about this whole uh, principle of oneness and being unified. Um, I want to, you know, make it clear as well that here, you know, here it says about being united in the spirit. It's interesting here. It says be united in the spirit. What it doesn't say is being united in doctrine. You notice that, be united in the spirit. It's not saying be united in doctrine or preference of worship style or songs or preference of, you know, preferred translation of the Bible. It doesn't say any of that. It's oneness of spirit, unity in the spirit. Unity does not mean that you agree on everything. In fact, you will never find two people that agree on 100% of everything. And I've got, there's lots of preachers and teachers that I really enjoy. 
But here's what I found is that when I listen to more of their stuff and get deeper into, you know, their uh, their teaching, there's always stuff that, you know, I'll come across like, oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure I agree with that. But hey, can I be honest? I'm not sure I agree with myself 100% all the time because I know I'm a flawed human being. I'm not perfect. Only God has perfect theology. So being in unity doesn't mean that you have to agree uh, on everything, okay? But it's about laying aside our differences and it's about saying, let's not focus on what we disagree on, but let's focus on what we agree on. Let's not focus on our differences, but let's focus on our similarities. And when we do that, we have such a greater appreciation for one another. Here it says about, um, you know, being one, having one faith. Again, you know, it says about one spirit and then it talks about one faith. Again, it's not talking about doctrinal denomination. It's talking about faith. Then it goes on about one baptism. You know, there's one baptism in the Lord Jesus Christ and then one Lord. You know, many people have claimed to be the Messiah, um, but there's only one supreme ruler overall. There's only one Messiah. There's only one Lord. And and it's interesting here that it's not saying Savior. I mean, we need a Savior and everyone wants a Savior. Everyone wants to be saved from hell. Everyone wants to be saved from our sin. But to 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 be a Lord, it's like, He's a master. We yield to him. It's about we're saying, hey, I'm giving up my right to say no. I'm saying you're the boss in my life. When we make Jesus the Lord of our life, what we're saying is it's not about what I want anymore. It's about what, what my maker wants. It's about what the Messiah, Jesus Christ, wants for my life. And it's such a liberating thing when we submit to God uh, and what he has for us. United we stand and divided we fall. God wants us to be standing up in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read this final passage of Scripture as we come in to land today. So this is the famous Pentecostal passage uh, for Pentecost Sunday that we spoke about right at the very beginning. Acts 2 verse 1 to 4. Context here, Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. He overcame death and then he ascended. He told the disciples, go and wait uh, for the, the promise of the Father. And the believers, they gathered together uh, with you know, faith, hope, and anticipation, expectancy in their hearts. And let's have a look to see what happens. So Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Wow. Day of Pentecost. Amazing experience. And this Pentecostal experience is available to you and it's available to me as well. And I just want to make three quick points as we come into land today. The first one that we learn from this Pentecostal uh, experience here is that they met as one. They weren't, you know, divided, but they came together. And I want to say this, there's still a place for the gathering for the church today. They came together as one. 
And I believe as we come together as one, as different communities, different churches, different gatherings, we know church is not about a building, it's the people of God. But where two or three gather in his name, he is there in the midst. When we come together in unity, when we come together in agreement, God can do powerful things. They came together as one. Second thing I want to say is everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. It said everyone was filled with the Spirit. It wasn't like those that had, you know, read their Bibles enough, those that had met their prayer quota for, for, for that week. No, every one of them received the Spirit. That's God in His grace. He pours out His Spirit on all flesh. It wasn't just for the elite few. So the Holy Spirit's available to you. It's available to me as well in God's grace. And then the third thing I want to point out here is that they all spoke in tongues. They received the language, the unified language of heaven. When we speak in tongues, we're speaking heaven's language. Can you see here the restoration of what happened at Babel, where they had this oneness of language, and God was like, there's no limits of what they can do because they're united in purpose and in language. Nothing's going to be impossible for them. So he divided their tongues. He divided them over, you know, sent them, scattered them through different parts of the earth. Here we see the restoration of what God's doing is he's given his people one language that transcends, you know, different nations and different earthly tongues. And God says, I'm going to give you a language. I'm going to give you the language of heaven. I'm going to lift off the limitations. I'm going to empower you with my spirit. And God empowered them with the spirit. And they went out from that place. And God brought transformation to many people's lives. And that offer today is available to us. God's calling us as the, you know, things start to lift, as restrictions start to shift and change. You know, we want to encourage you to meet together with other believers. I know some of you might not be in that place where you feel at liberty to do that. But for those of you that are feeling, take that next step. Even if it's meeting with one or two other brothers and sisters in Christ, take that next step. And there will come that time, you know, when you feel more confident about meeting together again. But I want to encourage you, there's still a place for the gathering of God. The gathering of God's children coming together as one in one place. And they were filled with the Spirit. God wants to fill you with the Spirit. And God wants us to operate in a heavenly language. And I want to encourage you, and I want to pray for you right now, uh, that God would just touch your life. And first of all, if you are here and you're watching this broadcast and you're not unified with God, that's the most important unification of all. That's the most uh, important unity that we can have is that when we make our peace with God, when we become one with him. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray, to respond, to become one with God. And then I'm going to pray as well uh, for those of you that want to be you know, unified with your purpose, your calling, your, the mission that God has for your life. Maybe some of you are not living the way that God's created you. You're not living as a person on mission, as a disciple that's making disciples, that's making disciples. And for you, it's going to be about aligning with that plan and purpose. And maybe some of you watching this, you've not yet received your heavenly prayer language. I want to pray, pray for you as well. That today, as you believe in faith, that you will speak in other tongues, that you'll speak that heavenly language, that you too can operate with one purpose, one language, that you can live a life 
without limits. So let's just pray right now for those of you that want to give your life to Christ. I want to encourage you right now just to pray this prayer after me from your heart. Father God, I acknowledge I've sinned. I'm not perfect. Please forgive me of all my sin. I repent of all that is wrong. And I turn to you, God, and I give you my life. I surrender to your will, to your way, and to your word. I believe in Jesus. I put my faith and my trust in you. I give you my life. Make me one with you. Help me to live the purpose that you have for my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, with that Pentecostal fire. And may I go out in the courage and the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak in your heavenly language. Speak in, in a way that connects with people in a way that they understand. That you might be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. And now I'm just going to pray for the rest of you. Father God, thank you for this just time on Pentecost Sunday. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that was poured out. And Lord God, we just pray and ask for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Let there be a Pentecostal pandemic. May your spirit be poured out. May many people, let there be exponential growth in the body of Christ, in your church worldwide. And we pray that, Lord, that we won't keep the message to ourselves but we will rise up in unity, in faith, in hope, in love, and that we will proclaim your word and see many lives changed. And right now, I just pray for anyone who's believing to receive their heavenly language, the spiritual prayer language of heaven. I pray right now, thank you, Lord, that if they have Jesus, if they have the Holy Spirit living in their life, they've already got it. The gift's already there. It's just about activating, stepping out of faith, and using what God has given to you. So I pray right now that you will just release your tongue and begin to speak. Right now, I believe as people, as you step out in faith and just begin, thank, just say, thank you, God, for the gift of tongues. Thank you for the heavenly language. And I believe as you step out in faith, you begin to speak that God is going to release that heavenly language, that you will speak that language of heaven. I just bless you. And I pray that you will have a wonderful rest of Pentecost Sunday in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lots of love and God bless.